Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Thanks for coming out on the long weekend, which started for us uh, Friday afternoon, Friday morning. And while I was mowing the lawn at quarter to six in the evening, uh, Moses, Taj, thank you team, give them a hand. They are doing so well. And uh, yeah, Moses, man, he's, uh, he's got something on his life, I can tell you that. Uh, I think definitely there's some people born with destiny, you can see it in their eyes. We're talking about sons and daughters, it's a big message, we've been on, on it for about six weeks. Uh, because I've got so many of my good people uh, missing this morning, I'm just going to do a paraphrase, is that alright? I'm going to be a little bit creative use some creative license. Is that cool? And because if I was to give you the full message, um, yeah, I just need to get to the other people. So I'll paraphrase it and I'll give you something wonderful and it'll bring us to the end where we can pray for what? Um, to pray to receive more of the love of God. Who wants that? Uh, because it's the love of God that we're trying to give away. Um, you know, it's the friendliness, it's the love, it's the kindness, it's the agape and the filio love, I'll explain that. But ultimately, all our encounters during the week should be um, encounters of being at least friendly. Can we just start there? Can we just start there? Just being friendly. Uh, that would be nice. Uh, you know, I question someone's Christian faith sometimes. Um, one guy approached me, I finished preaching, he said, I've got three questions for you. I said, whoa, hang on, hang on, let's just start all over again. What's your name? Give me your name first. I'll give you some, you know, some decorum of behavior. Uh, in life, when you approach someone, you just don't rush into their face. Three questions for you, buddy. Um, not a good start, not a good start, is it, Josh? And sorry to do that, mate, did I, did I freak you out? No, you know me by now. Um, so, what's your name? Tell me your name. I'll tell you mine. We'll shake hands. We'll look each other in the eye. 
you know, that gives us an indication if we're friendly or, you know, if we've got an attitude. Hopefully, you look in my eye and the, the lights are on and somebody is home. Jesus, amen. And uh, so, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and then we can, we can go a little bit further. Then we can go a little bit further. And then if we arrive somewhere which is graced enough to ask your three questions, I'm all for it. But, you know, I, I don't want your three questions if you can't give me some you know, filio love, you know, affection or, or just some friendliness or some agape love. And, and please, just don't even talk to me. I, look, I've just got off here. And uh, so I was telling him all this for about, <laughs> a bit cheeky, for about seven minutes or so, eight minutes. And so I said, what's your question anyway? And I said to him, he said, oh, don't, don't matter, don't matter. And so, so he just walked away. I'm in a men's meeting, men's breakfast meeting, and I see that guy, and uh, he's an older gentleman, a bit gruff, still looks gruff, and he came up to me at the end, I went, oh, no, he's got his three questions this time, I bet, and uh, he came up to me and said, I must apologize for our last encounter, uh, that, that was rude of me, and uh, the Lord challenged, I said, oh, that's fine, that's all good, so praise God, God got to him. Sons and daughters experience the love of God. All right, here we go. Um, Malachi 4.5. Who's got a Bible? Who brought a Bible? Who, who's, who's still reading their Bible in the last days? Or, or Netflix, I know it's very awesome. I'm watching a couple myself. I'm watching Downton Abbey. I'll confess it. I'm a Downton Abbey fan. Um, I didn't know what people were talking about Netflix. Well, what, what's this Netflix? I didn't even know until someone bought me a smart TV. Now, now I'm, what are you laughing at? <laughs> now, now I'm watching the, the, some underground banking thing too. I just started that a couple of days ago. Uh, anyway, it's all good. Malachi 4.5. I've, I've got to be timely this morning. I've got to paraphrase. I've got to get a great message through. It's about the love of God. It's about you. It's about, okay, I'll get there. Behold, here it is, Malachi 4, 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. And let's just call that a move of God. Let, let's just call that a move of God. Anyone been in a move of God in their Christian life? Anyone encountered a move of God in the 90s? There was a move of God in the 90s. Uh, did you get saved through that maybe? Did anyone get saved in the 90s? You encountered God through a very thick presence of God, and you just knew it was God. No one had to tell you. Just that's well, that's how we became revivalists. We got saved in the early '80s, but it was through the the move of God in the '90s that we got totally overhauled, sold our whole life out to Jesus, started the church 22 years ago, and it's been awesome. Behold, I will send you. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Can I have the photo? I'm going to be working on my feet this morning. I need the photo of Evan and the baby, uh, baby Moses, Taj, Hall. And, um, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts to the children to their fathers. I grew up, I said uh, some time ago, I grew up with a maybe somewhat dysfunctional uh, relationship with my father. My father was awesome. He provided for me. I felt secure around him. He was awesome dad on so many respects, but there was an emotional blockage. He'd gone through the war. He, you know, he'd just seen a lot of 
stuff happen. And one of the last things he said before he passed away, he said, I am disappointed. What for? You're never disappointed. You're the eternal optimist. So what are you disappointed? So I'm disappointed with human nature, the things that I saw in the war and, and, and stuff. So this is my son-in-law, Evan, and baby, baby Moses. <laughs> it's awesome. And I just see the love that Evan... Now, can I, can, is it okay if I say Evan, family broke up at a young age? I think he's, everyone knows that in the house. And Evan grew up maybe like an orphan. Maybe like an orphan, didn't feel like a son. Didn't feel like he, he had a father. I'm talking about sonship as opposed to feeling like an orphan. Um, I, I'm talking about the prodigal son um, story, that, that the son takes all the inheritance. Thank you, Dad. Thank you for life and living. I'll take this body. I'll take your inheritance basically saying to the father, wish you were dead, I want my inheritance now. He takes that, the, the, the son. This is the story of two sons, by the way. One son's the goody two-shoes. He's always doing the right thing. He's always coming to church. He's always studying the Bible. He's, he's doing everything right because one day he knows it's going to pay off big time. Uh, this other son, he's, man, he's got spirit. He's, you know, he wants to get out there. He takes off to a foreign land with the inheritance, with all the money, spends it, loses it, washes up in a pig pen, comes to his senses, and he goes, what am I doing here? At least I could be back in my father's household, and I could be back, and I'll be just a servant. I won't be his son anymore. Uh, I won't be his son. I know that. I've blown it. But what does the father do? And this is Jesus speaking to a crowd of tax collectors and sinners. That's one crowd. And Pharisees. And scribes, that's the religious crowd. Jesus, the master storyteller, he's got to address this situation of the dilemma of mankind. Mankind is represented in the story of the prodigal. It's the classic story. You've got to study that story. You've got to get that story deep down into you because it explains, actually, what God the Father is trying to do for humanity. He's trying to retreat his lost people they have spent what they have, they're out there and they're spending what they have received, their life, their, their resources and all that they have, they're out there. And he's saying, no, it may be a, a grand time for a while, but it will come to destruction. And, and, and then, but hang on, these goody two-shoes sons are maybe in church, they're doing all the right stuff, but they haven't got a right relationship with the father. Does anyone know this story? Because, you know, the son starts to come back. The father is waiting, and he sees the son coming. Now, in those days, for a Middle Eastern, first century Middle Eastern man, you should not run. You have people that run for you. He lifts up this great robe like this above his knees, showing his, his bare legs, and he runs like this. A Middle Eastern man, dignified as he should, should not be running anywhere, let alone... And so he reaches his son before he could even get the apology out, and he buries himself with a buries himself into the son's um, shoulder and says, "My son, my son, you're home." Ah, oh, you know, and and you know, the son had this rehearsed. He had all this apology rehearsed, and he, "No, no, you're home. Get the best robe." 
Get my ring to do business. The robe is to be dignified again. Get the best sandals. You're not a slave. You're not going to be a servant. You're going to be my son. Shoes are on. Robes on. Dignified with a robe. And uh, that's what you do with special visitors in those days. You gave them a robe. And then the ring. Get my ring to do business. You're going to do business in my house. In my house. You're going to do business. And, and so the son is fully reinstated. He's blown it all. Absolutely blown it. The, the goody two-shoes son's going, what? What's all the partying? And the party's this. It's, it's the dance on God's great dance floor. Can I, can, uh, that's what this song's about. Can I? So this song is about the son coming back and the party, the doof, doof, doof. Whoa! The father's going, my son, my son is back. Wow, wow, can't you believe he was lost, now he's found. And the dad's in there, he's jamming, and everyone's in there, even the servants. And just turn it up, I need to, man. Up, 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 up. Have we got a sound system anymore or what? Turn it up. And then, you know, the father's in there, and he goes, I bet he's got his robe, and you know, he's cut under his belt. And then dance and I can't believe it. I'm in, I'm in my dad's favor. I'm forgiven. Love, acceptance, forgiveness. It's all mine. Stop. Door shut. The goody tissue son, he hears the music. Slowly up. He hears the music. What's, what's on the party? I'm out here slaving. Uh, the, the father comes out. He says, son, come on in. Your brother's home. What do you mean he's home? He's blown it all. He, he, why are we having a party for him? Killed the fatted calf and we're having a party for him. He blew it. And you've given him rightful position as a son. You've given him more of my inheritance, basically. So, um, Father goes, please, come in. Come in. The, the, the party. Come in. I, I'm just so blessed to have received your brother back, my son. And the door shuts. And the son is left out here, out of relationship with God. Out of so the Pharisees are standing, listening to this story. Go, that could be us. We're just doing all this religious stuff. Six hundred and sixty rules. You know, the Ten Commandments. They made all these rules up, and they're following all that. And Jesus is basically saying. You could be following all the rules like the elder son, but you're not, you're not in relationship with God the Father. You, you have not got an intimate relationship with the Father. In fact, you're not receiving the full inheritance of what it means to be a son, a daughter. Sorry, Pastor Jewel, I said son too many times, didn't I? I said son and daughter. You know the song, um, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Um, I just got the extended version, for the sake of time I can't go there, but Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. There's two, two dimensions of love. Uh, agape love is perfect, unconditional love. Say agape. Agape love is a Greek word, it's, it's a... It means uh, goodwill, benevolence, willful delight, 
it basically means, you know, it's on purpose. Agape love is, 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 is affection. It's a bit like um, uh, filial love. Filial love is agape love, but no, filial love is more the expression, the friendliness I was talking about. The friendliness, it is, it is that. So God is love. Who knows that? And who loves the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 at every wedding, which I've got to do next week? I'm going to drop in some of this 1 Corinthians 13 love factor. Say love factor. It comes from a moral nature, a strong character, faithfulness, commitment, an act of love. Um, God's love is displayed most clearly at the cross. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, 4 to 5 God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive to dance on his great dance floor, amen, together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve this great sacrifice that the Lord made for us on the cross, but he did because agape love does that. I think about mateship in the war. Julie's father used to get upset if someone called him mate. And we go, why why does he get upset by being called mate? And he gruffly said to us one day, a mate comes from the war. It's a term term of endearment to someone who would die for you, take a bullet for you. I don't know this young whippersnapper here calling me mate. He took offense to that. He was old school. He was old school. He took offense to it. Oh, right. So he doesn't like to get called mate because mateship means it's someone that knows him. Well, probably doesn't know, know him even because the story of the Good Samaritan was, in fact, the Good Samaritan was walking, you know, another great story that Jesus told. The Good Samaritan, he's walking along. He sees he sees someone who's been robbed. They're laying in the dirt, robbed. The, the priest walks by. That could have been me, actually. Could have, well, it's someone like me. Went, oh, oh, no. No, that's not agape love, by the way, just walking by. Um, the, Levite, the Levite, who was in the worship team, one of you guys, um, walked... <laughs> by the guy, saw him beaten, black, blue, walked by him. But the good Samaritan, the good Samaritan, Jews hated Samaritans, they were despised, but the good Samaritan pulls up and said, oh my goodness, you know, bleeding head, laying in the dust, wipes his brow, washes him, cleanses him, a little bit of olive oil, you know, and, and takes him to the inn, looks after him all night, says to the innkeeper, if he needs to stay any more days, I'll pay for it. That's agape love. That's agape love. The agape love that, that you would have saw in the war, people taking a bullet for someone else, is the love that Jesus emoted when he died on the cross. The agape love doesn't count the cost. It just does. It's a, willful, it's a willful act to help those 
areas or those people in life that you choose by your own volition to help. Amen. Filio love is the expression of love. It's what you emote by your countenance. It's like, hey, buddy, how are you? My name's Phil. Yeah. Maybe it wouldn't be over that overstated because that would be not me. But, uh, hey, mate, how are you? Romans 5.5, 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I was thinking about this. You know what? I really think the Holy Spirit, when it comes, when, you know, that room, that car, that church is filled with the presence of God, I really believe it can bless you with the love of God. It's, it's in the anointing. We assume uh, the anointing to give us power, to anoint us, to lay hands on the sick and to be bold. But I really believe the anointing can bless us with the affection of the Father, with the affection of God. Do you think so, Frank? I think that's where the anointing is too. So four keys, because my time is gone. Four keys. Expressing love should come naturally to us. We were created by God to receive love and to express love. But because we were born into a sinful world and because our sinful nature was bent toward not believing the goodness of God, rather than choosing to know him as the loving father that he is, we find that receiving his love and giving it away to others is a struggle even after we initially come to accept God's plan of salvation. Our minds need to be renewed. 1 John 4.16 is a key scripture. And we have known, okay, if you've got your Bible, got your notes, put in brackets, experienced. And we have known, experienced, and believe the love that God has for us. And it goes on. God is love. He just doesn't do love. He is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Guys, folks, we, we've got to be comfortable with love. Men, listen to me. We've got to be comfortable with love. When I first came into Julie's family, you know, I came from an English um, family, very conservative, not too many hugs, just the odd hug every now and then, um, not too much outward affection, uh, what do they call it, Victorian type, stiff upper lip, boys don't cry, we don't talk about any odd subjects, especially sex or, or, or you know, it's very, very prim and proper, anything. Uh, anything, we don't talk about anything in fact, <laughs> that's right, and so, but when I came to Julie's family, they're just in each other's life, they're just in each other's face, they're in each other's stuff, and there's 40 of them, 40, and, and, and Julie's wondering why that I, you know, finding excuses to go fix the car or, or, or go for a walk. Well, why, what are you doing? Come on, the food's great. It's just too much. Too much. I wasn't used to this love, this abounding love. Romans 
We are basically afraid of intimacy. Into me you see. That would account for for my father. He didn't like to get personal at all. Many of us struggle through life because we're afraid to receive and give love. We are basically afraid of intimacy. It's either because of the deficiency of parental love or because we experienced something traumatic in the past and we set up boundaries and walls to keep people out so that we can protect ourselves from the pain of rejection. This hinders us from having intimate fellowship with God and healthy relationships with others. And I would have said if I had the time, at the core of this fear is deception. We find it difficult to love because we have believed a lie about God. The enemy who is described as the father of lies continually lies to us about the loving nature of father. Our adversary, in fact, tells us that God doesn't love us or like us even if we don't perform, if we don't do all, all the performance stuff, if we don't pray enough, read our Bible enough, if we don't come to church every time. We get caught in that. It's human nature. That's why the goody two-shoes son, it was human nature what he was doing, doing the right thing, to say to himself, if I do the right thing, I will get a good inheritance. But the father's saying, you'll get the inheritance anyway, but can we be friends? Can, can we have a working relationship? Can, can we have a party? I'm inviting you into the party of my love for you and my sons. So it's not about the doing. We've got to be careful of that. Okay, quickly going through. Four important keys to discovering genuine intimacy in relationships. Number one, self-image helps determine our depth of intimacy. Self-image determines our depth of intimacy. You were created in God's image and God is love. If you're uncomfortable with, with God, you're uncomfortable with love. If you're uncomfortable with love, you're uncomfortable with yourself. If you're uncomfortable with yourself, you are going to be uncomfortable with others. If you do not believe you are lovable, you may find it difficult to receive God's gift of his unmerited love and favor. And it may be difficult to enjoy healthy relationships with others if you view yourself differently than the way God views you. So I say to you, in whose image do you walk in? Is it the image of yourself of being successful and self-sufficient and secure in who you've made yourself up to be? Or is it the image that you need to know and understand God's love and then be able to love others as God has loved you? That's number one. Wow, and I could tease that out, but I'm finding that's probably enough already. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. This is what the Apostle Paul says. And though I bestow all my goods 
now he's feeding the poor. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, now he's a martyr. And have not love, it profits nothing. You can't earn God's love, acceptance, and forgiveness. You just got to get up close and personal, taste and see. See, when they went into the party, was there a lot of tasting? You reckon that there would have been food? Killed a fatted calf? There's tasting. Marriage supper of the lamb, Julia said. Is it going to be tasting there or is it symbolic? Is the marriage supper of the lamb symbolic? Is this party symbolic? Or are they really partying, dancing, eating, laughing, celebrating? Or is it just symbolic of being happy? Wow. Great party. <laughs> I've actually visited some parties that were non-events, and we moved on from those parties in the 70s, and we went to the parties where it was. Eating, dancing, enjoying ourselves. And if that wasn't happening, we'd move on. Hello? Come taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay, moving on. It's all about love. Jesus said it's all about love. When the Pharisees challenged him, he said, you know, so what, what's it all about, Jesus? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You will love the guy with the three questions. You will love the guy at the counter, at the shops. You will love the guy in the, trying to get your parking spot. You will love the guy. In the trap, you'll love the guy on the sports field. Two, there's only four. Two, recognize your need for intimacy. Men, hello. Recognize, see, I'm an introvert. I believe, I believe, I do not need intimacy with humans. I would, man, if you said, Pastor Phil, you've just won a prize to be on a desert island for maybe a week. I could stretch it to two, by yourself. I would go, awesome, by myself, a week, two weeks, maybe a stretch now, but two weeks would have been more awesome years ago, but God's taught me, I am built and I need intimacy. Now, I could go into a husband and wife thing here, but for the sake of Making love is spiritual warfare. Um, not making love is not good. Can I just say that much? Because we, we need intimacy. We need intimacy. We need touch. I did all sorts of crazy experiments in the war. Anyway, terrible stories. And kids died by the time they reached five because they starved them of touch. You need touch. Give me a high five, Dave. That's going to bless you, trust me. <laughs> as much as you think that you need to be independent and self-sufficient and survive, you were not created to live apart from God or others. Even Jesus himself needed to see the Father doing what needed to be done, and through that, he had authority, and he had an amazing ability to get things done. You were created for love. 
But before we can truly abide in this love that God has for us, we are to first recognize our need for such love. And I could tease that out, guys. Uh, Three, embrace your responsibility for intimacy. Many relationship problems we experience are a result of our unwillingness to know others and be known. This usually happens because we have been hurt or disappointed at some in our lives and we don't want to take that risk again. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness. Ah, bears witness. Ah, what happened in that church at C3? I don't know. Man, I felt a Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we, ah, that actually I'm a child of God. I could even be a son, a son of God. Not the son of God, but a son because he's my father. Jesus is my big brother. Jesus called us brothers. Did you know that? Jesus is my big brother. Father. You know what my father does? Rules the universe. (laughs) I'm going to get my big brother onto you. Who's that? Jesus. Wish I knew this stuff at school. All right. Four. Number four key. Being who God created you to be. So many of us base our self-worth on the things we do or what we can achieve rather than who we are. And that is deception. God doesn't love you because of your achievements. He loves you for who you are. I just get this image of being like taking the mask off and being really you. Mask a suffocating. Take the mask off. Risk being you. Allow yourself when God permits in the strength of the Holy Spirit because I know this is a challenge. for We've put up barriers and walls for so long. But trust yourself to be real, especially with your loved ones, with your children, with your spouse, with your wife, your husband, with your friends, with your leaders, with your church. Trust. Paul was demasked on the road to Damascus. Did you like that? I just remembered I read that in a book or something. He's a Pharisee. He's a persecutor of Christians. He has an encounter with God. He has an embrace of the Father. He has a full-blown encounter with Jesus. And he's demasked. And he says, Lord, what have I done? What have I done? Some of us need that. So they're important keys. Okay, Romans 13, 8 to 10, we're done. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are are all, they're all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. There's your four keys, folks. Take those on.
Be real to yourself. Be open. Be responsible. Accept that you need intimacy. Pray for an encounter with the living God. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, God tells us it's an everlasting love. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I draw you. God's drawing us. Like a mother hen gathers chicks, he's drawing us. Matthew 23, 37 says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you children. Gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Let's stand. God bless you. No excuses. Don't allow the excuse of past hurts or abuse to cause you to miss out on the joy, that deep joy, that intimate communion. Close your eyes right now. Intimate communion in your relationships with God especially, with the Son, Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, allowing your Father to touch you in deep places in the soil of your heart to fill you, to fill your heart with the great love of God, the the unconditional, the agape filio love. When you begin to experience that, you can give that love away. This is what I'm asking. If you want to experience this kind of intimacy and fulfillment in your life, if you want to be a son, if you want to be a daughter, and if you want that full inheritance, that rightful inheritance of being a child of God, but a son or a daughter in the Lord, I have a prayer for you. It's a meaningful prayer. And it goes like this, with eyes closed. Father God, I believe that I've been created for love. To experience your healing love and share the love in my relationships with others. It's not enough to have success in my life or even in my ministry, if I don't have a relationship built on the express love of the Father to my spouse, to my family, that love. I renounce that lie that I am not a lover, that I cannot open up my emotions or allow myself to be hurt again. Instead, I ask you, Father God, I ask you to wrap your arms around me like you did to the prodigal son to comfort me in those areas of hurt and pain and to fill me up so that I can in turn share your love with those around me. I choose to love my family as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. I make a commandment to ask myself hourly, Father, how can I receive your love? And then give it away to the next person I meet. I want to love, I want to live my life as an expression of your love, no longer focusing on my own success, but allowing your character to shine through me to others in the name of Jesus. See, in the last days, well, in that day of judgment when I give account for my life. I won't be asked how many scriptures I knew, how much I prayed, 
I will be asked, did I love my wife? Did I love God? Yes. But did I love my wife? Did I love those around me? Did I love my children? Did I love my friends? Was I transparent? A great marriage, they say, is an emotional transparency, which men have a a big problem with. Being emotionally transparent to say that, hey, I'm not doing so well. Men have a problem with being emotionally transparent. spiritually transparent. How are you really with God? How are you really doing with the Lord? Spiritual transparency. Physical transparency. That means just being able to be happy of who you are and be able to show yourself. Physically. Before God. Before your spouse, your wife and husband say this is who I am Father I believe the anointing is here for people to be shifted to shifted to begin to receive your love all over again so with arms held up high my time is gone right where you stand I know this has been quite a challenging message but you've come at a time when we're sharing about the Father's embrace. And unless you become a a son or a daughter in the house of God on this earth, you will always feel like an orphan. You'll always feel on the outer. You'll always feel like you're on tender hooks in relationships, in relationships. You just won't receive that love, acceptance, forgiveness that you so deserve because you are a child of God. This, the Bible tells us so. Jesus, you love me. You love me. You died for me. You agape loved me into the kingdom. Even when I was strung out in hell. Even when I was strung out in the world. And and I was living a, a horrible life. You reached out to me. And you saved my life me up and you left the 99 and you went after me Lord and you brought me back to the pasture of your love oh my God thank you thank you thank you and because of that Lord I receive this love those who have been forgiven much love much I receive right now where I stand I receive I receive music up let people receive this love as they're I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. He who died, heaven's gate to open wide. He will wash away my sin. Let His little child come in. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. Loves me still. 
when I'm weak and ill, from His shining throne on high, comes to watch me when I lie. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. He will stay close beside me all the way. He's beside me all the way. He's prepared a home for me. And someday His face I'll see. Jesus. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.